It's good to be back, gentlemen. Uh, I think I owe you both uh, some congratulations and some pats on the back, maybe a participation sticker or something <laughs> of that nature. Zach, for your Ohio State Buckeyes, made it to the championship. Yeah, baby. That's uh, something. Hey, I'll take it. Greg, we'll get into that later. Your Cleveland Browns, finally. They won a playoff game. Can we get they like won an one. AFC third place banner? Uh, sure. I think, we, I mean, we played the Chiefs better than the, the Ravens. You should just get AFC those. division or wildcard round winner. Yeah, or yeah. AFC yeah. divisional round participant. There you go. Why not? You get better. like a little trophy that fits like right up here. Like the final four, you just put corn it's stocks hard, in the It's logo. called hardware. It's called, uh, yeah. play, it's called playoff wins, Josh. I, Ever heard of it? Saying. I got to give you guys some because I got nothing over here. All I have is this podcast. <laughs> at least we're back now, but this isn't going to be our normal show. What? Um, we're going to do. Okay. We're going to recap all of it. <laughs> we're going to recap the Browns, the NFL playoffs. NFL mostly playoffs. The, mostly the Browns. Potentially new coaches. Yeah. In Jacksonville. A lot of, a lot of moves, imports and exports. Yeah. of Ohio football. All right, but are we going to get to some college football? Maybe talk a little Buckeyes, a little yeah, Bearcats? Yeah, we'll get Greg's full, fastest rundown of every bowl game. The fastest 30 seconds in bowl picks. It'll be, it'll be quicker than... We gotta get, we've got a lot to talk about, so it'll go quick. We'll get into the Buckeyes. We'll get into the Bearcats. We'll get into just college football and what it is. But for now... Normally, we would get a beer. Normally, we would do intros. But we have so much to talk about that we're just going to skip the beer stuff this week. Thank you to the lords at Anheuser-Busch for their golden sodas. Our overlords at AB and Bev. But let's kick it into this. Greg, I'll throw it to you for the intros. All righty. Thank you once again for listening to another edition of 30 Rack for Sports, the beginning of our third season of podcast. Took a little break. Got ourselves together, got our chickens in line, got our mentals right, as uh, Marshawn Lynch yeah, would say. Yeah. Papa Lynch. Um, so, to my right, normally I would be roasting him, but uh, we got to give congratulations to the new father in the room. To my right, on the opinions, it's Zach. I was going to say you put the fat in fatherhood, but you didn't get fat after becoming a father, so That's I don't... Slim down, I don't have yeah. time to eat. I, <laughs> I don't know. So, uh... Zach, very much congratulations on that side. Uh, not as much congratulations on the other side. Uh, actually, the only guy on this podcast who didn't have their team play in the divisional round last week Ooh. or last weekend. So the Bengals now no playoff wins in like 30 years. Yeah. So we'll know. get we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Joe Burrow, maybe uh, maybe one knee Burrow. Well. I don't know. I don't know. He'll, he'll, I don't know what's going to happen. Are you taking another quarterback again? We'll get to that. Oh, no. let's <laughs> see. Mock draft coming up. have a uh, Heisman throw to a Heisman. So. Really? All right. Not when he's getting sacked right away. So, no, uh, he wouldn't have the time. We'll get into mock drafts. We'll get into NFL. We'll get into college football. And maybe we'll get into a little bit more food throwing in the Cavs locker room. Alright guys, so this past weekend was divisional weekend in the NFL. Uh, the AFC and NFC championships are set in the NFC. Uh, 
up in the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. Yeah, baby. Uh, the Packers took advantage of an injured Jared Goff and an injured Aaron Donald. Oh. And who really cares about this game that much? But I do. Packers win 32-18. They will host the Tampa Bay Bradys or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or who outlasted the Tampa Bay Bucks. That that one too. The Tampa Bay. Ooh. Who outlasted uh, that one? The New Orleans Saints, thanks to Drew Brees potentially in his last game before retirement, his inability to throw more than five yards down the field. Ugly. Four turnovers. So Tampa Bay takes that one 30 to 20. Uh, so NFC Championship, Tampa Bay at Green Bay. Uh, what a base. Battle of the base. Battle of the base. Whoa. I'm excited. Could get my second ring as owner. Just fighting for that. Fighting for that, man. Oof. Proud of my boys. Proud of my boys. You're fighting? I'm proud of my boys for fighting. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just had to clear that one up <laughs> for our listeners real quick. I was there. <laughs> third Anyways, string uh, third <laughs> string punter. All right. Just out there. It's like, who are you? Like, I'm on the team. I'm on the team. I'm the janitor's cousin's About some uniform. Somehow you're, wearing, somehow you're wearing like a triple digit number. Yeah. You got like number 104 or something. There was somebody in like the uh, the Dominican... Winter League that was wearing a triple-digit number. And you know what? I didn't hate it as much when I actually saw it. It was also on, like, a big boy that was hitting tanks. So oh, well, like, there you go. Yeah. You, have to, you have to be so you have wide. To have, yeah. You have to be so wide to be allowed oh, to Oh, he wear. had plenty of room for oh, all three I'm numbers. Sure we'll Nothing that. more fun than, like, the Caribbean series in the Dominican Winter League. Huh. Never watched it, and I don't know what's going on now, but... Craig's been. You've I mean, been? It's, it's, it's a time. Yeah, me and... Me and uh, Thom are calling the Puerto Rican League. We're both disgraced broadcasters. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see that. You can talk about all the... Never mind. I was going to say... <laughs> all the capitals of the world, right? <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyways, to get you back in line a little bit here, uh, in the AFC, nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo takes down the Baltimore Ravens 17-3 to thanks to a 101-yard pick six. And a Lamar Jackson concussion uh, helped Buffalo hold on to a 17-3 win. Really boring game. Very boring yeah. game. Super boring. Predictable. Uh, a yeah. lot of bad snaps. Windy, yeah. Buffalo, a lot of drunk fans. Pretty much everything. Pretty you <laughs> tables were broken. Uh, burning tables were broken. And then finally, uh, you know, in Kansas City, um, awesome season for the Browns. Uh, came up just a little bit short. I guess anything is possible. Uh, Chiefs take down the Browns 22-17. to So, guys, I guess reflecting on this season, uh, obviously did not have podcasts the last couple weeks. So the Browns make it to the playoffs, uh, get a huge win over the hated rival Pittsburgh Steelers, their first win in something like 17 tries in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, you know, first playoff win since 1994 and their first playoff berth since 2002. That game, an absolute joy to watch. That was crazy. From the first half. 28 nothing after the first quarter. I was like, what is going on? It was awesome, though. Um, ben I, Roethlisberger looked as old and decrepit as he ever has, and it was, it was fun to watch. Not to huh? focus too much on the Steelers here, but that was the <clears> second game that I've watched this year, a Pittsburgh Steelers game that I've watched this year, where it just there was the Bengals, 
where oh yeah they, they just, got manhandled by the uh, Bengals. By the Bengals, yeah. <laughs> well, like, and you're just sitting there like who was what? starting that what? game? Was that Finley? Or yeah, that was that? Ryan Finley. Yeah, Ryan Finley <laughs> so, uh, he didn't even start the next what? week after. The yeah, week. little fun then, fact: the Bengals, though they only had four wins, were the only team in the league that their first, second, and third string quarterback all got a win. That's hilarious. That's impressive. That's actually. is it impressive or sure is, is it just it a sure sign is. of the situation? Look, but. considering the Browns have started like four quarterbacks oh, yeah, in the first yeah. seasons, the fact that any of them got wins. Well, That's Burrow, funny. yes, but well, yeah, but you look at that game where Finley started, and you're like, what is happening? And then this game with the Browns, it just was didn't a dream. practice all week. Yeah, yeah. Pra- no I, head coach. And the Steelers, the Steelers looked like the team that was lost. And you looked at yeah. Big Ben in that Cincinnati game was throwing, uh, what, hospital balls. Basically, like, throwing to get his guys hurt. In this game, <laughs> just was. throwing balls nowhere near Hanging him. people out to dry. I mean, the first, what, six drives for the Steelers. Fumbled the snap over the head that oh, turned yeah. into a touchdown. Pick. Uh, three and out punt. Three and out punt. Or, no, sorry. Interception. Then a long drive that turned into a punt. Then another interception after three plays. So 28 to nothing. Obviously, Pittsburgh got back into it a little bit. And then there At was that the, point, you're just holding on, though. There was the fourth and one or fourth and two. Mm-hmm. Browns kind of back on their heels. You know, most of their secondary was out on the COVID mm-hmm. list. Decides the punt on fourth and two. Browns take it in for a touchdown. It's basically over. So huge win for the Browns. Uh, Pittsburgh... I don't know where you go from here. Questions about Juju, questions about Big Ben. but Yeah, again, not to focus too much on the Steelers. I mean, they're big rivals of Ohio and everything, but you're kind of looking at them like, and and I even see it in some of their fans, like they've kind of let their needs go and go and go oh, and yeah. go, and now you're looking at a, and yeah, some of them just got to shut their mouths. And Ben man. wants to come back. Yeah, <clears throat> it's and, and I'm and sure I they're going to let him. That's something else we, we, have to, we have to bring up, so... Previous to the game. Oh, we're talking about Juju and Chase. Uh, so, well, yeah, it was They're Juju first. So, hilarious. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, who has been, one, criticized for TikToking on logos and then said he wasn't going to dance on the logos right before the Steelers played at home, which he doesn't do that, and then at the Browns, and they don't have a logo in the middle of their field. But nonetheless, he basically just said, when we play the Browns, doesn't really matter. They're just a bunch of gray faces. And he just said... Gray face nobodies. Gray face that nobodies, means. yeah. And then he said the Browns is the Browns. So he's Browns basically... Browns is the Browns. Could be the 0-16 Every grammar team. teacher's favorite saying. So the Browns took that personally, put a shellacking on him. And then Chase Claypool said the day after... Well, it doesn't matter. The Browns going to get clapped next week. Clap. And cool. then the reason why he said... They were going to get clapped, and why he actually said anything was he said, well, the Browns didn't win with class. One, it's the playoffs, and they're professionals. Get over yourself. And two— They pull their dicks out and swing them around? Wait. And two, there were were pictures (laughs) after the up of Baker Mayfield, like, going over, like, talking to Juju Smith-Schuster, like, talking to— It wasn't like like they were trying to fight him at the end of the game. They were just happy, because guess what? It was the first— Playoff win in my lifetime. And you got the monkey off your back with the Steelers the monkey, thing. They yeah. tried you got twice so many, this year. It, yeah. it, like, if you're a Browns fan, you can't be... I mean, yeah, you can be sad. Tis the way. But the you got to look at everything. So much ended. Oh, yeah. So much bad streaks ended. I mean, the most wins 
overall since 94, yep. right? Yep. Uh, I mean, that's 18-year playoff drought ended. Finally a winning season since 07. 07. Yeah. So since since the Browns came back, they had a 9-7 and seven year in 02 and a 10-6 and six year in 07, and those were their only two winning seasons. Uh, came back, made it a, a great season, so I guess that's probably a good time to move on. So 22-17, to 17, uh, Chiefs take down the Browns. Uh, early in this game, you know, all Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes basically moving the ball down the field at will, uh, you know, a few quick touchdowns. Browns only come up with a field goal, so it is... 19-3. It's 16-3. to three. Well, well, yeah, okay, we're getting to that. Yeah, it's 16-3. Yeah. to three. The Browns have the ball, you know, what, four minutes to go in their four-minute offense, driving down the field, driving down the field. A chance to make it, you know, 16-3 to three at the time. If you make it 16-10, to 10, you get the ball to begin the second half. Uh, Baker throws a ball from, I think they're at about the 30-yard line, throws the ball to Rashard Higgins at about the 5. He reaches out for the end zone, takes a pretty vicious helmet-to-helmet hit that, uh, you know, I think Gene Steratore was saying probably should have been called, you know, uh, illegal use of helmet. But Higgins fumbles the ball and fumbles the ball out of the end zone. And if an offensive player fumbles the ball out of the end zone, it is ruled a touchback, so the other team gets about the 20-yard line. So that's basically a turnover and a 20-yard penalty. The Chiefs turn it back around. Get a field goal, make it nineteen to three. Beginning of the sec, yeah, beginning of the second half. The Browns get the ball first. Baker throws a pick. Chiefs get a field goal, but at the, I believe it was that drive. That drive, Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes goes down on a on a second yeah. down. Yeah, uh, ends up being concussed. Comes out for the rest of the game. So the Browns get the ball back after that score, make it twenty two to ten. Chad Henney comes back in, throws a horrible pick. Browns make it 22-17. to 17. Well, they punted that drive. Oh, that's right. Because I was like, oh, what a shot. They, yeah, they punted that drive. Yeah. Then, so 22-17, they get well, the ball yeah, back. Eventually, yeah. Driving down the field. Fourth and just, uh, I think it was about fourth and 10, but decided to punt, gave Kansas City back the ball. Like they convert like a left. fourth. Yeah. They convert like a uh, pretty much a third and 14, get it down to like fourth and a half yard. Andy Reid puts his nuts on the table. Kansas City converts, and, and the Chiefs win. Uh, you know, 315 passing yards out of the Chiefs. Baker, pretty good day, 204 passing yards. You know, the offense, obviously the fumble out of the end zone is a gut punch, uh, you know. But you had a chance to win at the end there. Just couple plays got away from you. Um, did have some questions about the play calling. Obviously mm-hmm. a lot to be disappointed with, but I, I think you said it best, Josh. You know, just being a Browns fan. On my on my drive home after after watching the game with my family last night, it was, you know, if someone would have told me at the beginning of the year, hey, you're going to go, you know, 12-6 and six this year. So 11-5, and five, win a wild card game against the Steelers, and then lose to the Chiefs who are a juggernaut. I'd take you up on that lose deal. Lose respectably to the Chiefs. Yeah, lose yeah. respectably to the Chiefs. I'd take that deal. Are you yeah, kidding yeah. me? Yeah. Playoff? yeah, yeah. Playoffs? Playoffs? I mean, you, can go, you can go back to our, uh, and we just did go back. If you go to the special edition holiday episode, we looked back at the over-unders, and you were the only one 
Zach and I were both hopeful here, but you were like, no. I'm yeah, you did. You called it. You called it. The Browns are going to suck again. And I think, I think it was then that I said that Baker's got to get his shit together and play better. And he did. I mean, yep. since week seven, after so, week seven, he so, only had two picks yeah. and two games completion percentage under 60. Yeah. I mean, so since that, since that pick that Odell got hurt on, he had only two picks the rest of the way. So, What does that say about Odell? Um... What it has to say is that it takes six, seven, eight weeks to figure out a system when you're on your third head coach in three Oh, years. no, yeah. Or no, technically fourth if you include uh, interim Greg Gaga, <laughs> Dr. Heat himself, Greg Williams. Well, and they... <laughs> I just, I just now Bounty. got that. <laughs> um, but, I mean, yeah, he got it together, and then they figured out how to utilize the backfield the best, even though in the playoff game against the Chiefs. I think there were some missed opportunities and missed calls there um, that they could have utilized the backfield better. But for the most part, the Browns finally like have an identity, I feel like. I feel like I can look to the Browns and, and know what that team is. They have stability, yes, finally. Yes. They're going into an offseason. You know who's going to be in the coach's no office. Momentum and no yeah. consistency. Yeah. yeah, you know that, that stuff is huge. No coaching search. No having to draft the quarterback exactly. for like the first time in forever. It's huge. Uh, you know, all off all the offensive starters are under contract. Guys in the office that the players and coaches all like. I mean, yep. it's all mel- that whole building, that whole organization has finally got some groundwork. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I think the thing that can scare you is you know you look at some of these teams that look like they were going to be around for a while and then kind of had oh they're a, oh, they're, a, fall, a fallback. But I think the there. Browns have enough of an identity. And I think they've been able to show, even with some, you know, they had a ton of offensive line injuries. Heck, that guy that yeah. <laughs> Baker Mayfield referred to as some dude named Blake was playing left some tackle. Right. Yeah, yeah. After, you know, they were on like their fifth string left tackle late in the Kansas City game. You know, their number two corner was out all year. One of their safeties was out all year. Uh, you know, in the playoff game, their top two corners that were on the roster for the whole year, Ward and Johnson, were out. So I think, and Garrett was never really himself after, right. you know, recovering from coronavirus and dealing with some injuries. So I think fix the defense, and I think this, this team can go into another gear because I think outside of, you know, the first game against the Ravens, which was obviously no preseason, new coaching staff, stuff like right. that, and then a Steelers game that kind of got away from them, they're pretty much in every game, you know, really, I mean, yeah. At that point, it was only you know a couple losses to some good teams, and then losing to the Jets without any wide receivers on the roster. So I mean, during a normal season, I, I think there's a lot yeah. to be hopeful. Well, of. and especially like towards the end of the season, when you look at that that hit and that fumble and the touchback and everything, I mean, you overcame so much classic Cleveland Browns. Oh yeah, mess ups mis- and mishaps and just Brownisms all Brown-isms. year. That got yeah, overcame. no, no, co- no coach in the playoff game. Eventually, no wide receivers for an entire right. game. Yeah. They overcame so much of that stuff. Eventually, something like that. And they could have folded at halftime. And I exactly. think that shows That's the respect they have for Stefanski. They didn't fold. They means... came out, in, or even after the Baker interception. It, you know, I mean, the Chiefs were set up perfect. At what was that? The Browns thirty twenty something yeah, it was like about that. The thirty yard line. And um. I think that's always a sign of the respect that they have for their coach that they dug in, they forced yeah. the field goal, and they were still in the game, and they still battled. And um, and I think Ray brings up a good point. Looking towards next year, you're 
Your offense is there. You got you got the base. Now all you're doing is adding stuff. You're not in a tough cap situation. You're not. Yeah, and hoping. I mean, you just can only add to get better. In obviously, my it's the Browns. And the like, Baker's going to take another step forward. A second, every quarterback, a second year in a system takes another step. When forward. you're a Browns fan and you're looking to the future now, yeah. no, you no longer have to think in terms of overhauls. You have mm. to think in terms of tweaks. Mm-hmm. And Greg's smiling as I say that. And it's true. That's what you have to look. They're going to add little and, and wrinkles, also, new stuff like that. You know. As you mentioned, there were a lot of Brown stuff that happened this year, but there were also, you know, some injuries. Nick Chubb missed a handful of games. You know, Teller was hurt. They had a ton of, I mean, by the end, they were, you know, duct taping offensive linemen together. Oh, exactly. So you get a full year of that. You get a healthy defense. You add some guys. And I think the future uh, can be pretty bright here, guys. Oh, it is. So. I also want to shout out uh, Chad Henney finally getting a win yeah. against Ohio, yeah. an Ohio team. So congrats to yeah. you at 35 years young, finally getting it done. Finally gets it. <laughs> finally gets his his time in the in the sun. And I think that's a great transition to kind of another Ohio headline. I would say uh, former Ohio State coach <laughs> Urban Meyer has agreed to become the I believe it's the sixth. Head coach in Jacksonville Jaguars history. Only six? Damn. Well, you got to be only been around since 95. I know. Only six? I know when yeah. they, since they've been around. It's, it's interesting, man. I, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Oh, I, have... I don't feel like it's... I don't know. When you look at what Urban's done on paper, especially when you compare the quarterbacks he's had to the seasons that he's had, the accolades that he has yeah on paper it seems like it's a good idea yeah but (laughs) i just feel like it's not that's i feel like you're asking a really weird like the last person you'd want to ask to make that jump right now i'm not saying that he couldn't do it but like guys got health issues and you're gonna go to the nfl and you're gonna go to jacksonville (laughs) (laughs) i mean well the jacksonville job is Wanted everybody wanted that yeah, job. Jackson they have so much cap space. They have um, you know number one pick. I mean, it's a it's a solid job it's if a, you're gonna it, have. They so. completely overhauled everything. Yeah, so. but I mean, you hit on the the health issues are gone all of a sudden. I, I don't I don't know about that. And let's talk about that. He couldn't handle college. He couldn't handle the stress of college. Right. The NFL is like the highest burnout. That's three sixty five twenty four seven. Like. I remember Mike Holmgren talking about when he was Seattle with Seattle and they lost to the Steelers. How he they you know they flew back to Seattle that night, got in at like three a.m. and when he, he got up at six a.m. the next morning, he was in the offices with his whole coaching staff watching film. And it's like you got to move on. We're moving on. What are we doing? You're rewatching film. You're getting ready for next year. Like oh my god, you know yeah. like Ryan Dave's talking about. You know they lost to Alabama, right? And we'll get to that later. But I mean the example was Ryan Day said, we're going to take a few weeks off here. We're going to reboot. You don't do that in the right. NFL. I just I don't know You're, the health. You kind of well, have, like, the two tiers in college where you are focused about, you know, your team now, and then you also have the recruiting. Right. Team, and and even it. even you have dead Not periods it, where you don't practice yeah. or talk to recruits. You usually have, like, two, three weeks during the summer where but you're NFL home. NFL coach, like you're saying, you've yeah. got – You've got next year on a whole different stove where you're handling four or five things on top of the stove you're currently cooking on. Exactly. You know? I, yeah. I, I just and it's weird. It does. I think the other thing is, you know, a lot of times with Urban Meyer is in college, he's been able to recruit the best guys yeah. and win a lot that you know, win with talent that way. And obviously he's been able to develop some talent pretty well, but the question is how well can you pick NFL talent? Uh, you know, how well can you develop, like, I mean, 
you look take a look at his whole time. He hasn't really been with too many NFL quarterbacks. Really, the only no. one you can think of is Alex like Smith. Alex Smith. So right. Uh, you know, there's some questions there, and then also a lot of people were saying, you know, he's a big big time control guy, like a lot of the co- exactly. college coaches are, and you don't quite have that leverage over pro guys because no. some of them are making quite a bit more than you are. Right. Right. Uh, you know, they can tell you to to screw off. They can hold out or do whatever. Or you piss one the of trains. them off, you're gone. They're yeah. not gone. Right. Yeah, Tribe is going to say Trevor Lawrence is a lot more valuable to the organization than right. he is. Right, it's it's a players league; they control it. It's not you know the NFL head coach. You're the scapegoat for everything. It's not college. I never understood why anybody would want to not want to coach in college. Why well, you want you control everything? You're the biggest name. You are the program. In the NFL, you're not. Um, I think the X's and O's part's a big deal. Gray kind of hit on that with you know not that Urban doesn't know football or isn't a good football coach, but. What he was great at, he was probably one of the best motivators. Again, that doesn't go that far in the NFL. It's a job to them. You know, they don't need motivation. They say, you know, that doesn't go that far. And two, he was a great recruiter. That doesn't matter anymore. It's about, and he ran a style, again, getting back to why there weren't many pro quarterbacks, if any, out of Columbus. They ran a style there that doesn't translate to the NFL well. Well, and here's, that leads me into, I guess, why I think it's just weird on the organization to make this move is because you, I, I think he could, since it's Trevor Lawrence coming in, you could maybe get away with running a program for a year or two like that in the NFL. And that's just one more thing. Like on a Chip system. Kelly had initial exactly. success and then it exactly. flamed out just real like fast. That. Yeah. And couple that with the health issues, couple that with contract lengths and everything. And it just seems like such a short term bizarre move. It does. On the organization. I mean, I don't want to say blame Jacksonville when they have to lose. I mean, yeah, Meyer yeah. is right, organized. Yeah. Right. He is an attention to detail guy. I, I my, do think if anybody could do it, he can do it. I just don't see it. My other question is, you know, with Meyer is oh, some of these guys that have made the jump. You know, you look at like Pete Carroll, Harbaugh, you know, even Saban is they had some. NFL experience. I don't know, especially not in the last like twenty or thirty years. Urban Meyer. He has never spent a day. Yeah. In the NFL. So you ever. look at a lot of these guys. You know, Saban spent time as a defensive coordinator. Carroll obviously had the one stint with the Patriots beforehand. Mm-hmm. Some of these guys have, you know, at least some sort of background. And I think the big question is, a lot of these guys, you know, especially college coaches, no matter what. They want to get some old former head coaches, get some people in the door that kind of know what they're doing. Right now, the only one that Urban Meyer's considering, you know, he's got Charlie Strong was one of his first <laughs> hires for whatever reason. Shocking, But yeah. he's going after Scott Linehan, and I know he coached with the Rams. I know he's been an OC. <sighs> he's he's an, old, though. He's an okay, but yeah, one, he's an old guy. He's a retread. two, I feel like you need a guy that has actually been like, a decent head coach in the oh, league. Yeah. You know, even if it's just getting like a, um, you know, like the Vikings got Kubiak just as like an analyst or something. Just right. someone that can say, hey, this is how you go about coaching in the NFL. Well, the practices, what was the big thing with Steve? I remember when Steve Spurrier went to the Skins and the first thing they were, compl- sorry, the Washington football team, and the first thing that they were complaining about, you know, the players were pissed. That obviously did not go well, was the different, you practice differently. In the NFL, you know, he was trying to run like a college practice and all these guys basically like revolted because he had no idea what he was doing right off the bat. And I don't know, like, that's that's a good point. You need 
NFL guys there to tell you what kind of to do. Right. Yeah. How and you I, run things. And I agree sometimes if you get enough young guys in there, because, I mean, the Jaguars did a great job their last couple of years of basically alienating any sort of veteran <laughs> talent that they had. Right. But you're going to have some guys that are going to be like, well, you know, say what you want about the previous regime, but, you know, they at least knew how to be NFL head coaches to yeah. some degree. So, I mean, Doug know, Marone's been yeah, around Doug the block. Doug Marone's been around. So, they, you know, he runs normal NFL head co- you know, NFL practices and NFL policies. And the other question is, yeah, whether Urban Meyer is going to be able to be up to the time just, commitment and the, the player. He wanted to spend much, time with his family, and it's like there's a reason NFL coaches don't have families or they're divorced because you can't. It's You're there all day, every or day. Or they have wives that are basically like, babysitters for him like, oh i know like yeah Peyton manning's wife used to like help him pick out clothes because he did not address right like yeah like insane things like that i i don't i'm shocked the family was on board and i, I wonder if they really that, were yeah. i wonder if they There's really so were it's so weird but yeah I don't. that's just one export of yeah. football from ohio as we import a cleveland browns playoff win congrats greg i know if you want to you've wanted it for a long thank time. goodness i hope to have one myself someday uh for the Bengals and <laughs> Yeah, Zach, your Packers and all. Yeah. yeah all right. So last thing before we move on to uh, to the college football playoff, how many years and what do you think the ceiling is on wins for Urban Meyer? Uh, like I said, I, three years sticks in my mind. Three years. He didn't get fired. He leaves. Yeah. Uh, I think he has a couple middling years, and then they win like ten games. But then he like blows the gasket. Yeah, I, I'm thinking like two years of success. A third year of some like late season wins and misplaced bounce back, and then fourth season something. Oh, you're giving him four. Oh, giving yeah. him four, but only like part of four. Well, like halfway happens. through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was something gonna say. Season. Yeah. I'm thinking two plus or three plus. I yeah. think the first season is kind of a wash just because they're rebuilding the whole. Right. I think the second season they get to like six, seven. Maybe the maybe they have a third season where they go to seven or eight. But I think it's one of those things where they start off like. Two and five, and he just he just bolts. Yeah, I can see and, that. Yeah, I don't know. Let us know at Thirty Racket Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Urban Meyer to the Jags. You like it or you don't like it? And I guess none of us are Jags fans, so we're mostly just intrigued to see how it's. I am very intrigued. Like it, don't like it, or just intrigued. I'll watch closely. Oh yeah. But as we move on to Urban Meyer, we'll move on to some college football. All right, now we're going to get into some college football recap uh, as we missed a few weeks here, so we're going to be doing our own recap. Uh, to start off, Greg is going to have one minute to recap every bowl game, and he's going to throw a little quip about each one in there, aren't you, Greggy? Yeah, we are. All right, Josh, we need one minute on the clock. At Greg's ready. Three, two, Appalachian State, Mean Mugs, the Mean Green, North Texas, 56-28 in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Nevada, Fries, Tulane in the Idaho Potato Bowl, 38-27. BYU soaks UCF, 49-23 in the Boca Raton Bowl. Georgia Southern flies by Louisiana Tech, 38-3 in the New Orleans Bowl. 40 seconds. The Tigers fight by the Owls, keep them up all night, 25-10 in the Montgomery Bowl. The Rainbow Warriors... Fight back against Houston, 28-14 in the New Mexico Bowl. 30 seconds. Buffalo beats Marshall in what the hell is a Camellia Bowl. 
the Raging Cajuns raised by UTSA 31-24 in the first responder bowl. Uh, Georgia State gets a helping hand from the Lending Tree Bowl, 39-21 over Western Kentucky. Liberty, that's kind of problematic, beats Coastal Carolina 37-24. Bunch of canceled bowls. 34-31, the Cowboys poke by the (laughs) Hurricanes. 55-23, Texas over Colorado. Tom Herman saves his job, but not really. Uh, Wisconsin over Wake Forest, 42-28 in the Mayo Bowl, where the trophy got broken. Oklahoma over Florida, 55-20. Mississippi State brawls against Tulsa, but wins 28-26. Ball State beats San Jose State, 34-13. West Virginia over Army, that's disrespectful, 24-21. Georgia played, who cares? Uh, Northwestern beat Auburn, 35-19. Alabama beat Notre Dame 31-14. Ohio State kicked a shell of Clemson. 49-28. Uh, Kentucky, Ole Miss, Iowa State, Texas a Who cares about those bowls? And then Ohio State was a participant in the national championship. <laughs> That's a nice way to put it. Very good. We can start there. Maybe we'll start with the – do we want to start with maybe the semifinals? Yeah, I, yeah we can, we can, sure. We can, we can work our way through look, that. Look to well, the Buckeyes' journey here. The well, journey through the playoff. Which so was really backing in and out of the driveway, what, five times, and then asking if you could leave, and they got to leave and go play. Oh, yeah, yeah. Football. It was, hey, can we, are we actually going to have a season? Big Ten says no. Uh, actually, I mean, yes. <laughs> All right, we're going to play games. Well, a bunch of these games are canceled. Well, are we actually going to be able to make it to the championships? We had too many games canceled. Kevin well, Warren no, just but kept being actually, like, go yes. ask. Go ask your mother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fine, you got to play Northwestern. And then, are you going to qualify to play enough games? The answer is yes. But Clemson, but kicks the shit out of Clemson. And we'll, we'll start there. Well, Trevor start Lawrence there. is only his second loss in his college career. Uh, Ohio State defeats Clemson 49-28. to Justin Fields, six touchdowns. Trey Sermon... 193 yards on the ground. Alave, 132 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, the difference in the game. Game was tied in the first, third, and fourth quarters, 28-28, and then 21 to nothing in that second quarter, Zach. How sweet was it to uh, finally beat Clemson? Just to make Dabo eat crow was like the most amazing thing As in the, the world. As the 11th best team in the I country. I mean, the 11th best team. Still, in his final... After the afterwards, still he's a man of principle, Josh. 11. He's a man of principle. He would have done it anyway, any other way, any other way. Yeah, even if his team had only played six games, he would have ranked them eleven. I guess I call bullshit. Yeah, I'm, um, I do too. <laughs> no, nah, I mean it was it was it was a uh, that was a man of faith. Okay, believe in him for once. It was a sweet, sweet victory uh, for Buckeye Nation. You know, I think. I think the most impressive thing, honestly, was Justin Fields really gritting that out after that vicious, savage, some might say, hit to the ribs. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you know he should have got thrown out for that. You know, I. It, either way, they were getting beat up and down. Oh yeah, they got beat. It didn't really matter whether he was there or not. Um, yeah, Trey Sermon continued to run and run. And run like we thought he would when he first hey, came over from God, Oklahoma, and go. it took him quite a ah, while to get. Ah, why? Oh, Chris Berman. We can get into him. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think Fields, uh, you know, he showed out. 
the whole team did. The defense. Finally showed out the game that we kind of expected. You know, maybe not. I mean, obviously six touchdowns every game is a little extreme, but he looked like the Justin Fields we expected to see. He oh, definitely yeah. had some down games. You know, Indiana, obviously Northwestern didn't have all of his wide receivers, but, you know, had kind of been up and down all year. And that he, was finally the Justin Fields well, that people kind of expected to see. Yeah, he was a man possessed. The game plan was exactly what I thought they needed to do, which was lean on the run early, set Fields up for some play action, some easy throws, drop guys in the box. Um, you know, they kept, you know, Ryan Day, I mean, what what a job he did on the play calling. Kept, you know, Brent Venables is one of the best in uh, defense coordinators in college football. And he, I mean, Brent Venables looked like he had no idea what they were going to do. So much space on offense. Mm-hmm. And, and, and ones. Yeah. Fields was making, you know, the right throw all the time, whether it was to, you know, Olave, Wilson. I mean, Ruckert has a, had a couple of nice oh, catches nice on catches. good throwing balls. Yeah. Obviously, the run to pass was, I mean, you know, not a ton of passing yards, but enough. And efficient. Plus 200 yards on the ground. Yeah, when you have six touchdowns, you know. It was an efficient passing game. They didn't, yeah. Well, and it just kept getting better because you were harping on that for a while, Zach, was the play calling. And that was your biggest concern, kind of, I feel like, most of the fall. Yeah, um, big time. And I just felt like... By I mean, the that's time the reason why the Northwestern kept, was kept in oh, the yeah, game. Oh, yeah, the play calling was atrocious in that game. But I feel like by the third quarter, I mean, their offensive schemes had just created so much space to where you started seeing balls being thrown on those crossing routes that it was just daylight all oh, around yeah. them. And that doesn't come from necessarily the bad defense. No. But it comes from just them wearing them down with that play calling all game and they find you finally got to see the offense fire on all cylinders and mm. fields play like we thought he would after the man possessed and yeah. everything and i think that helped this draft so i think just seems overrated but i think coaches will look at the way he came you know he had a miss a play came back in looked like he was in so much pain and just threw that bullet there and still throughout the game was, you know, hit a 60-yard deep ball right. I mean, you couldn't throw it any perfect to Olave. You know, coaches, you know, NFL scouts look at that kind of stuff and like, okay, this kid's got moxie. He's tough. He can do it. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was... And I think showed them, you know, that once again he could do it. Uh, I would say another thing, you know, Clemson has been a high-powered offense all year. Holding them to 28 points is is decent, especially yeah. after they score in their first two drives. I thought the defense played great. You know, um, held uh, held them as a team. You know, ETN only had you know just about three yards of carry as a team. They only averaged two yards of carry, so kept you know Lawrence from getting out of the pocket. Kept he looked ETN flustered at under times. yeah under a lot of pressure. Yeah, and I mean that defensive front, which was kind of. Unfairly they, maligned, in my opinion, but this was the game they 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 been pressuring all year. It was, their, it was supposed year. to be their their calling card. Oh yeah, you know, no, with, yeah. With the young, they finally got home. Backfield. That's been the problem. They get pressures, but they weren't getting home. They got home on Lawrence multiple times in his face, knocking him down, moving him off his platform where he's having to reset, try to move. But they kept him, like you said, in the pocket, which was key. Where last year, when you know up sixteen nothing, the Wade hit, things kind of got away when you know Lawrence started running. Yeah, well, that was the big thing. I mean, one of the plays that changed the game was, what, like the 50-yard run that he had mm-hmm. where just the sea parted, and it's one of those things where you can cover guys for so long, but when the quarterback can't get out of the pocket, yeah, has to make quick decisions. I mean, you know, they got a pick, and they got a couple of, you know, bad throws. I mean, he had to throw the ball 48 times 
So, you know, he's 33 of yeah. 48. So, I mean, that's, that's what you want out of them exactly. is, you know, force him to try they to abandon the run. They had to abandon run after yeah. that second quarter. They had to come on the air and throw the ball. And so that's easy for any defense. You pin your ears back. You're ready it, to go. And it's a team like, and I know Greg was getting frustrated because, and not that anyone here was making excuses, but you've got all that talent out there and you had never really seen Ohio State become three-dimensional and be this full monster of a team like they should be. That was the most complete game of the year by far. Yeah. Finally, you I, got to well, see that. That was the thing. Early in the early in the first quarter, because I know Zach and I were, were talking about the game before, and I was like, if Ryan Day just calls the game like he should. Yeah. Like you said, set him up with the run, some play-action passes, in run scenarios, run the ball, and also... Fields needs to run the ball a little bit. Obviously, after the injury, you know, you kind of stop. But right. he had 67 yards running. He was still throwing the ball down the field. I mean, he was only 17 of 33. I mean, he had er, – sorry, that's that's in the next game. He was <laughs> – in this game, he was throwing the ball. He, you know, wasn't completing every pass. He wasn't throwing every ball down the field. I mean, 20, 22 completions. Oh, yeah. But he was getting the ball out when he needed to. Mm-hmm. He was – Figuring out he was making the right read, and then the play call wasn't like some take five seconds to develop double oh, crossing crap. Yeah. go route on second and two. It's like, no, just you have a guy that's getting every yard he wants to on the ground. Plus the get passing that. plays were three levels. That's what I talked about. They had to hit every they had to run routes three levels when you get those four or five receivers. Where against Northwestern they were running all four or five deep routes, which takes forever to develop, which yeah. is why Northwestern was able to get pressure and fluster him. You, you're hitting every level. You give him, you know, all sorts of different options. It forces the defense to cover the entire field. Um, yeah, and I mean, he had 100, you know, he had what? You look at Farrell, Ruckert, and Sermon, you're looking at, you know, almost 10 catches, like 120 yards. So it's just everybody the ability was to not just throw the ball deep the whole time. Right. So to go from from a, from a high to a... Kind of a reality check. Then again, pretty much mm-hmm. everybody seems to have that reality check against Alabama. Um, I mean, Devontae Smith is really good. Is he? Really good. He, he's pretty. He's pretty. He's pretty good. He's pretty, he's good. pretty he, good. He didn't play in the second half. First no. half, twelve receptions, two hundred and fifteen yards, three touchdowns. Yeah. Mac Jones, five touchdowns, zero interceptions. I mean, Fields was all like. It's only 17 of 33 for 194 yards. Obviously, Sermon getting hurt, you know, first play really hurts them. But I think it was just one of those things you get. I mean, obviously, Alabama can make you look bad in in every single way. But, you know, the back end had been an issue at times, giving up big plays. And, you know, some of the communication and the continuity wasn't there. You know, they hadn't played a ton of games, only seven games, and a lot of big breaks in between that. Right. When you have good wide receivers like, I mean, Waddle was obviously kind of, you know. Well, we will exclude him. but was, yeah. was kind of limping, but you have Smith and, and Mechie and, yeah. and Harris and everything. They were finding bad matchup after bad matchup and just punishing them. And it was one of those things where it was like, Ohio State's offense, I think, could have put up more more than twenty four well, points. They should, but when you're when you give up thirty five points in the first half, you're just you're trying to force things at that point. Yeah, um, I'll preface my thoughts with this: this was Alabama's year. 
They were by far the best team, most complete team in college football. Yeah. Nothing I say from here on out is an excuse of like, oh, they would have won if. No, this is, it could have been a better game if. And diving into that, I think, one, the Sermon, that hurt big time, losing Sermon. I think Master Teague ran well at times. But anybody watch that game, you see the difference. You know, Sermon's a more well-rounded running back. They, they throw him out in the slot. He can run routes. He's a good pass catcher Very out of the backfield. Versatile. He's a power runner, but he's also shifty. He's quick. Uh, you know, Teague is straight downhill. He can't cut to save his life. Um, and you saw that at times. You know, there's that. I, I think Teague's kind of the running back that's, that's great. If he's complimentary. Exactly. Yeah, he's, he's kind of your uh, your thunder, your lightning. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, your yeah. third down, your short yardage yeah. situation, stuff like that. Someone that'll want to beat someone up, yeah. you know, whether and, it's... In and the their third or... back, Mayan Williams, who got some work in against um, Clemson, who's more of like a J.K. Dobbins, with not with the speed, um, also didn't make the flight down. Not sure what that was. Um, he didn't play either. So they had, you know, Crowley in there, who I think has a bright future, but his ne- that was really his first playing time all year um that hurt them i think justin fields he he looked kind of sharp early but i think the ribs started bothering him or you know because he either was that they settled for the field goal but they had wilson i mean he makes that throw every time that's a touchdown should have been 21 all at that point um and then from there on out he was air mailing um some people discredit this excuse or whatever you want to call it but you got to think about he played on that too, so he's not just recovering from that injury. Oh, like he's he didn't just get pulled, yeah, that yeah. Injury and then playing the rest of the game, the second half on, on that, that injury. Yeah, exactly. Well, That's I, a lot. I, yeah. I think the other issue that you have is he looked so good in that first game, but also some of that is you're in the middle of the game, you have adrenaline, right. and then yeah. you know how how was he doing two days later is the real question. And then a week later when, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's getting all sore and you're, you're trying to get treatment on it, what's happening there? And once again, like like you said, just watching that game, you know, Alabama's offense scored, you know, 40 points in all but two games this year. Right. You know, that Notre Dame just basically tried to play ball control even if they were never going to win. And then they beat Missouri handily in their first game where it didn't it even didn't really matter. matter. But... You know, I mean, every other team couldn't really touch that offense. Mac Jones was fantastic again, but yeah. I would agree. I think Ohio State obviously could have been better on offense. The they real- probably left 14 points on there. Yeah. I, I really think so. It would have been higher, you know, higher score in the defense. Honestly, I like the game plan. I got what they were trying to do. I think in many instances they, they played it out. It's just... I don't know how many times I was like, oh, because you saw there was a play to be made there, and they just missed it. And that's, you know what I mean? Like, I think, and I know people were complaining they weren't going to nickel and dime, which they would have. And it, that, what, that, who was playing there? That was their secondary. That's pretty much all they had healthy body wise. Otherwise, they had two true freshmen who, unfortunately, because of the shortened season and everything, didn't get a chance, and they were hurt for the first half, didn't get a chance to be on the field. They're not going to throw them out there. So that's why they were playing with three, four linebackers. That's why you saw tough Borland trailing. Oh, you know what I mean? But that's yeah. why. He was trying so hard. I, yeah, he didn't get beat as bad as I thought. I mean, it was still like four steps. But, I mean, but I'm saying is they were playing shorthanded in the secondary as it was. Um, yeah, I, like I said, Bama's better team. They they were that team this year that you just weren't gonna beat them. They were they were so well rounded on all three phases of the game. They had really no weakness. So before we move on, I guess the one the one question is before before we 
you know, talk about maybe some, some Peach Bowl things. Uh, what are kind of your thoughts moving forward on Ohio State? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, Josh, I believe you said you saw just before the podcast, Alave is coming back, but obviously Fields has declared for the draft. Trey Sermon's declared for the draft. Uh, you know, what do they do kind of in the defensive backfield? Right. Uh, I think you said Sean Wade is also gone. So what what are your kind of your thoughts From going? What I've heard, he's gone. Uh, my thoughts, you know, I, I, one, we're going to jump in, you know. Um, new quarterback, some new systems. You I know. mean, you know, I, there is the belief, you know, high state, you don't rebuild, you reload. That's partly true, but you are missing some pieces. Um, one thing I want to say, I think Josh Proctor Kid's gonna be a beast. He's so raw still, but I think you saw he make he's made plays. Um, so I think you know you put him. He's a strong safety. Though. You put him in his natural position. That's locked up. They got to figure out the free safety. But they're bringing in. The problem was in the secondary. They had about a year or two there where they only brought in like one or two defensive backs at the end of the Meyer era. So there's been a big gap. The last two years they made an effort. Yeah. They're bringing in some guys. It'll be interesting. I think Kerry Combs deserves a little bit of a break. They. First time D coordinator, they didn't have spring practice, really no fall practice, or very and, truncated. And a bunch of breaks in the middle. Yeah, and a bunch of breaks. Um, I think he will get some things figured out, and he seems like the kind of guy who's going to look himself in the mirror and be like, what do I need to do better? And I'm sure Ryan Day is going to be involved in that as well, saying you need to get right. this shit figured out. Um, I think they're, I'm actually excited. You know, the line, they're losing a bunch of linebackers, um, but their linebacking core is so old. I mean, they have a bunch of juniors who've been sitting there and you know, fourth-year juniors who have yet to play. So they have some experience, maybe not a lot of playing time coming back. Um, offensively, quarterback's a big question. You know, they're bringing most of their line back. That's going to be one of the best. They're receiving, you know, with a lot of it coming back, I think guys are going to transfer because they've been recruiting probably better than any team in the country um, at receiver. That room is loaded. Um, that running game, they have the number one running back coming in at Henderson next year, not this year. Uh Running game, I think, will be solid, not great, um, but it'll be good enough. But, um, yeah, it's going to be up to C.J. Stroud, Jack Miller, or Kyle McCord, who's a freshman coming in. They're all four, four to five-star recruits. Um, I trust Randy. You know, they're right now ranked fifth or sixth is what you're hearing early. Um, I think that's fair. But, um, yeah, I think my early suggestion is I think they make it back to the playoff and they win their fifth consecutive Big Ten title. From there, I don't know. They get a full season, 12 games. I think they could get on a roll. If not, hmm, it'll be interesting. Will be interesting to see going from uh, Columbus down to Cincinnati. The Bearcats, after an undefeated regular season, 9-0, face Georgia, basically in their backyard in Atlanta in the Peach Bowl. Um, end up falling just short, 24-21. Uh, really was 22-21 with kind of a whatever safety to end it. Uh one. You know, God. Ritter, 24 of 37, 206 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Jerome Ford was obviously good. No Jared Dokes, which was big. That was huge. But um, I think the two big plays in the game, one was right before halftime when UC was driving down as they took the 14-10 to 10 lead. Uh, James Hudson, their left tackle, gets called for targeting for pushing a guy at the it end was of so the play. Stupid, so it was so just, stupid, though. Yeah, it was just, yeah. I mean, whether or not it was targeting, it was stupid. Yeah. They lose him. And then you have Lorenz Metz, who played some last year, but it's still, you know, he's a guy from Germany who, you know, oh, didn't God. play. He didn't, looked lost. Yeah, he didn't play, you know, until he was in high school, any sort of football. 
a uh, couple of false starts, a couple of holdings, some missed blocks. I mean, it was a major downgrade from a guy, you know, Hudson is projecting as a second, third round pick right. to a guy that, you know, is very much still a work in progress. That definitely changed the game. And then at the end of the game, up 22 to 21, you know, third and two, they try to run that little pass play, ends up giving them 40 extra seconds on the on the clock. And, you know, Georgia takes advantage, kicks a field goal with two seconds left to go 22 to 21. A lot of people question the play. If the throw was early and on time, it would have been good. But also, with the way Georgia can throw the ball, especially with JT Daniels, you know, he almost had 400 yards passing. And some of the wide receivers, especially with kind of a, a weakened defensive backfield, I think that's also something, you know, James Wiggins, who's a NFL draft prospect, was not playing. Um, Ahmad Gardner, who's been, you know, second, third team All-American, yeah. was not yeah. playing. So their best, you know, cover corner was not playing. That's a good point I want to point out real quick because everybody's talking about Georgia. Oh, they're missing all these guys, right? Everybody, like, all these guys opted yeah. out. So, you know, everybody's giving Georgia the benefit out. No one talked about, point out, UC missing some you of their see, best defensive backs and a few other. They're you know, missing Dokes. two yeah, potential yeah. All-Americans. Georgia, Georgia might have yeah. had more guys out, but as far as, like, key significant like exactly. starters. Yeah, no one said anything about that UC all lo- week oh, yeah, leading up crazy. to that game. Yeah, drove me nuts. But, yeah, I, it was so tough because of the way the game ended. Oh, it, it was, was just brutal. Awful. I mean, you knew as soon as they got the ball back, oh, they yeah. started driving. Oh, and, yeah. and from my understanding, that was an RPO and say what you want about it. And I think in that moment, that's where you get two coaches and Luke Fickle and Marcus Freeman that care so much about the program and wanted to protect what they had in that moment. But I, and they hadn't been in that moment, right. at, least, at least in a very long time, yeah. at the helm like that, that they didn't take stock of the situation and what they have. And yeah. like you were saying, Greg, like if you could have taken stock in that moment and seen how JT Daniels was throwing the ball, the way that offense had been working since Mets was in there, the pieces that you had lost on defense – Maybe you would have made that call. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you look at uh, and Den, Den Brock, not to exclude him, um, but and and I've been and I've been a huge critique of his. You have been for you years. Don't say. But <laughs> I mean, for the most part, they called a great game, and he called a great all season. I think he was very improved over past seasons, I and think, I thought they ran a great game there. I just think some of the game management decisions. Yeah. And I think yeah. the one thing really that that was them. big was you look at the momentum at that point. What Georgia had scored, you know, nine straight points. UC's offense in the second half, basically without Hudson, had been awful. You know, their only points in the second half were right at the beginning with the Jerome Ford, uh, you know, 79 yard touchdown. Aside of that, did not score in the second half, had had trouble moving the ball. Defense was, you know, they'd played great in the second and third quarter, but kind of starting to fall back on their back foot against Georgia. Well, when you're not moving the you ball. Gotta, you got to take every second you can off the clock because the clock is your friend at that point. And 
I know it's tough to punt the ball back to him, but that's pretty much, I mean, that's what you ended up right. doing anyways. Run and there was, the football. And there were so many times where I felt like they could have. Even if you run something like. I, I don't. Right. I don't get that. Like, you see it all the time. The Chiefs did the Browns, which I thought was shocking to me. But, like, that's so risky. Just run the yeah, fucking ball. Yeah, but that's ball. also. That's the NFL. It's different, in yeah, my opinion. Yeah, and that was a much better design. I mean, and, <laughs> trusting it to Andy Reid. Offense is very different than no, I know, and you're right. And offense. I was just saying, but you see it all the time at you know Ohio State sometimes. Just run, the, it's not complicated, just run the damn ball, right? And I mean, you see how George, not that they did much better themselves, but you see how Georgia to one for 11 on their third downs, and that's the other thing. I my big takeaway as a disappointment from the game is when you hold a team to one, they also won in turnovers. I believe the Bearcats were plus, yeah, they were plus one on the turnovers. So when Georgia's two turnovers and one for 11 on third down, I feel like that was the extra touchdown or the extra score mm-hmm. that was missing from the game. Yeah. Where at one of those uh, 10 third downs that you, uh, that you stopped them on, you should have been able to create an extra score off of one of those. After that big touchdown run, I kept saying and the rest of the game, you know, coming out of halftime, like, they just got to score one more time. But I think that's just where it is, is that, like, you don't get, especially this year, you don't get those big games. Like, this staff, this team, not that they don't think they're ready for it. I, I think that's the biggest takeaway of all, is that they are ready for it. You just, how many times have they been in that situation mm-hmm. before? But I think, th- like I said, the biggest takeaway of anything here is that the Bearcats and others that will come after them and others that have come before them deserve a spot at the table for God's sake that, you know, this was the most watched bowl game out of all of them. Yeah. I'm yeah, tired of hearing, people want it, cause tired that was the thing. hearing this, that people don't want to see this or we're afraid of blowouts or whatever. This is the most watched, most entertaining. And you know, who was a top 10 market for the Notre Dame game? Cincinnati. Well, yeah, there's tons of Catholics down here. Well, also tons of people that want to see. No, yeah, yeah, but I, I have a. I'm just playing devil's advocate. I'm just asking. So you're saying the committee got wrong? Those are not. Those were not the four best teams in the country. Is what I'm asking. I'm not necessarily saying I'm just that asking, the committee man. got it wrong. I'm just saying that of all what we saw this year from college football proves that the system, the product, is not good right now. Like. Rarely, rarely in my life have I ever found myself wanting a sports season to just be over with because I didn't want to have to hear Kirk Herbstreet and the boys laugh at someone bringing up Cincinnati again. Mm-hmm. When, when you've got that where you're just kind of like laughing at teams that they don't even deserve a shot at right. this. And I get that college football is in a place right now where you've got Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson. And then you've got a couple others that have a shot, and then you've got the rest of the Power Five, and then the rest of the G5. At a certain point, we need to get like a better product in here. This was created to be better than the BCS, and is it? Yeah. My, my real question is, you look at any other sport, even college basketball, if you win the Atlantic Sun tournament, oh, yeah, who's got bed. you know, North Florida, Jacksonville, Florida Gulf Coast, Lipscomb, you get a chance to play the big boys. Exactly. And, you know, maybe once in a blue moon, Florida Gulf Coast beats Georgetown or UMBC beats Virginia. But I just think, one, the four and five matchups would be a lot better. And two, it would give you a better chance to 
compare the conferences when everybody's playing. And three, I think, you know, even in the even in a lot of these national championship years, you know, Clemson slipped against the Syracuse team once. Ohio State slipped against the Virginia Tech team once. And it's like, if you really want some sort of not the same four teams every year, give them more games. Because guess what? Alabama had trouble with the Ole Miss style. Sometimes there are just teams that you don't mat- right. match up you don't super match well, well with. Yeah. And I think having more games. And honestly, the other thing that I would love to see is Cincinnati doesn't have it as much. I know the Big Ten has it a ton, but when you're the issue that I've always had is that Alabama can basically create their team and make their game plan to play dome football because they're playing uh, in Alabama and then half their games are indoors and then the championship and all the bowl games are either you know either indoors or in Southern California or Southern right. Florida. You know, Ohio State has Bullshit. to go to Minnesota in November. You know, Cincinnati, I mean, Cincinnati isn't great weather, but they have to go to either, they have to go to Navy or they have to go to Philadelphia. The the Tulsa game, everyone was like, oh, Cincinnati had to walk off against Tulsa. Folks, it was pouring, like freezing rain the entire game. Oh, yeah, it's a different type of ball game in the Midwest. You look in the NFL, Drew Brees, I mean, Trusting Drew Brees next week if they would have squeaked it out at Lambeau. Oh God, I was. Yeah. I'm oh, more no. worried about Brady because he's used to it. I was all jacked when I thought the Saints were going to pull away. I'm like, oh Brees in that weather, good luck. And that's what I mean. Like, I mean, you even look at Lamar Jackson who played at Louisville when he was when they were talking about snow against the Bills. He's like, I've never, you know, I've never, never played. played Blake snow. Bortles said he never played. You know, you get some of these guys. You get Kellen Mond from Texas to go up to. Notre Dame for a 4-5 game. Oh, yeah. Have to play in South Bend in December. Good luck. I'm all for an 18. I've said that 100 times. I'm all for it. 18 works out perfect. And I'm all for if you want to make the make it even Stevens. Just you know, mean, make the AAC a power six, and the, those six conferences get their automatic bid, and then you get the two, uh, get two wild cards. Or, yeah. or you get your one G5 because occasionally there's like a good or Mountain West But team. I mean, that yeah. could be your wild card. Large. If the G5 finishes top 10, then they get the automatic yeah. wild card, and then there's another wild card. Yeah. Or if not, then... But, but there's and just And then something... I, like, I think that brings up the Gray's good point. Then you do the first round at home stadiums. Exactly. I see. That would be baller. Because when you look at that kind of format, it's just like, yeah. how do you think that what we have now would be more fun than that? That sounds yeah. so That'd be fun. Nuts. <laughs> that would be nuts. Right? And People here's the other that. thing is like eat that up. And yeah, the one in eight ha- would probably normally be like the one in sixteen in basketball. Normally be a blowout. But the other thing is But otherwise, I think like four, five, three, six. Yeah. Those would be fun Instead matchups. Instead of playing in the in Jerry world where it's like, yeah, there's a hundred thousand and it's half LSU, you know, half UCF mm-hmm. or whatever. You get to play in Death Valley, where you get the full. You get to play in, you know, Ohio Stadium or yeah. Beaver Stadium, where you get the full. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, imagine Ohio Stadium in December oh with, you know, I mean, what it would be. They were the three six, so it would be like them versus Oklahoma or something like yeah. that. Oh, OSU, Ooh. OU. That'd be fun. Spencer Rattler, Justin Fields in the snow. Mm-hmm. And, and but and my thing is is that people like talk about that, but then they say no, we should have this. And I and it's it's a, it's about the money, 
first off. Like, you'd make so why. much more money, right. though. But yeah, you the money make doesn't make money. sense because you'd make so much more money. The problem I have is that we have these Well, the current system has all the money going to right. people basically giving money to themselves. No, yeah. Exactly. You're and right. That's, that's, at the end of the day, what's wrong with the whole thing and why it might never change. But I'm tired of hearing people say that teams like UC don't belong. I think it was Joey Galloway that de- tried to defend them on the selection show, and the rest of them just kind of like hey, laughed Joey. at him and were like, yeah. come on, man, you're making us talk about Cincinnati. But it's, it's like Cincinnati can hang, and people are interested in that. Oh, and yeah. we can make excuses for each side whether we want to, but most of the excuses that the side that wants to keep the status quo makes – those excuses just don't hold up. And I think the one you thing... You have to lose, what, one one regular season game. So instead of playing 12, you play 11. So like the Big Ten, you'd play three non-conference games. Or they could drop to eight you like lose, everybody else, and then you're still playing four non-conference. You lose your eight. peewee game that you play against Alabama, which, A&M, Aqua. Which hurts. I mean, for the Big Ten, I know that the big talk is, well, we would drop a MAC game. And the MAC schools are like, well, you know, they count on that money. You don't have to drop a MAC game. Play like I said, play Oregon, play two MAC games, and then you're jumping into Indiana or whatever. I don't know why. Just asking you to take one non-con game. Yeah, I think the other thing that I think you kind of brought up where they're like, "Oh, do you think Cincinnati could compete?" I think the big issue with getting a team like UCF or Cincinnati up to the top ten is your margin for error is so thin because every close game you have is scrutinized. Obviously, any loss takes you out. Texas A&M beat a horrible Vandy team by six. You've heard it us was say it so many times never on brought the up. podcast, folks. I feel like we're the only ones that talk oh, about yeah. that. You know, Alabama, yeah, they're undefeated. They let an Ole Miss team almost score 50 points on them. Like, if, if Alabama or Ole Miss was in a worse conference, or, you know, or Texas A&M was in a worse conference, you pull coals through them all day. But the fact that, one, they play an SEC schedule, and I will say, this year more than ever, the SEC was unbelievably top-heavy. Outside oh, of the yeah. top three yeah. teams, oh, yeah. LSU was a mediocre team. Both barely the Mississippi mediocre. teams were, were barely mediocre. I mean, Missouri you was, know, eh. Georgia was oh, Georgia and Missouri were okay. I mean, Georgia was obviously pretty good, I guess. But, eh, I mean, yeah, but you look they at found a quarterback that, finally, but early in the I mean. year. Like, yeah, early in the year, they were. I mean, they were bad, and it was like... They were trying you to make an a, argument that they deserve to get yeah, in. I was team, like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, you have them or a team that lost by 28 to Alabama deserving to get in. And it's like, one, you've also shown that if Cincinnati gets in, a lot of people are going to be like, huh, let's Here's see if the they can thing. hang. People, people, they need it. Like, you're, you're making the good point on what do people like about the NCAA tournament. The ratings generally, unless there's a big deep run. And there hasn't been a lot of years recently, you know, the final four, like we saw there for like George Mason and all them or VCU. Yeah, yeah. We haven't really seen that for a while. What, is, what happens to the ratings as soon as you get like lead eight final four? Yeah, once you get to one, Tank, but what do people like to see? Why they like the NCAA term, why the first two weeks are so fun is because people right. like to watch these, you know, underdog teams make little runs. That's what they like to see. Especially if you're going to put them in the home stadiums of these football teams. That's how you get the casual fan in. That's how you yeah. get fans who aren't, yeah. don't normally and watch. And that's why that the championship game that's on late on a Monday night for some godforsaken <laughs> reason got the lowest ratings it's had in years. Well, I hate, you know, cup. but this Bearcats game, I, I think the national cha- I said college football Highest. should always make the national championship game Saturday night. I don't know why. Just uh, yeah, keep it yeah. normal that day. That's weird. But to but. wrap up, 
just we touched on Ohio State's future, Cincinnati's future, yeah. some breaking news there today. Cincinnati will be making a hire from Michigan State. A um, lot of connections. Well, a lot, lot of import-exports here. Jim Tressel's nephew, Mike Tressel, oh, will nice. be the next defensive coordinator at UC. Tressel left from UC with Mike D'Antonio to mm-hmm. Michigan State. Um, he's also coached with Fickle uh, at Ohio State back in the day. A lot of connections there. But Yeah, ap- after, obviously, replacing Marcus Freeman, the defensive yeah. coordinator, highly sought after, left to Notre Dame. Interesting on the schedule next year. Cincinnati goes to South Bend. But Tressel was uh, Michigan State's and I would safeties coach this past year, has been an associate uh, D.C., and a DC in recent years, he'll be. And UC's I would say this: Luke DC. Fickle's a defensive guy. I went, you know, people freaking out about Marcus Freeman leaving. First of all, good for him. Um, second of all, I wouldn't worry about a drop off. No. That that was Fickle we grooming return. him. He was Fickle was involved. It's just you know, Bearcats the defense is going to be fine. Sanders, I mean, yeah, Fickle. I mean, Fickle was Ohio State's defense coordinator. Right, that's for what I'm forever, saying. He's a defense coach, just like if Ryan Day, like if. No one's going to be freaking out if Wilson fucking leaves as the offensive coordinator because Ryan Day is head coach. He calls the play. Joel DeBlanco, Darian Beavers, cornerback uh, Kobe Bryant, who had the big uh, big play in the, in the bowl game. They're all coming back. Uh, Des Ritter is returning at, at quarterback in, with a lighter quarterback field next year. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see how he does. Yeah. Uh, but – Although they did lose backup Ben Bryant to uh, Eastern they Michigan. They did lose Bryant oh, no. on the, under the gray turf. Evan Prater, uh, Mr. Ohio football. Being winner. groomed. Uh, yeah, he'll be, he'll be groomed into that. God, uh, when hair, the Bearcats. Man. His have, hair, man. Uh, I don't know if you guys are aware of what their 2022 recruiting class is currently ranked nationally. I think it's ranked fifth. Uh, moved down to sixth oh, okay. today. No, that's but, good. Ohio State, by the way, fighting for number one. They can still pull out a number one. That's why finally, we called but. this episode... The football state. Hey, buddy. So, future's bright for... For both teams. Really, every team that plays football in Ohio, unless you play it in Paul Brown Stadium. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. But we'll see. All right, I well, that wraps bright. up college football for us. A lot of craziness, a lot of fun. Spring spring practice just over, the, just over yonder. And also... I mean, if you're a if you're a Penguins, if you're a Gwyns fan, if you're a Flyers fan, FCS football coming right to you That's this right. spring. So, a little bit more college football still on the horizon. All right, to wrap up, we're gonna go through a little bit of miscellaneous other sports news. Uh, gonna try to wrap things up quick here, but obviously some big headlines in Ohio, starting off. With the Francisco Lindor trade, Zach, the Indians trade Lindor. This has been kind of a, a while coming when they couldn't come to a deal because they yeah. lowballed Lindor a lot. Lindor to the Mets, uh, a haul of a number of prospects. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, kind of, what are your, what are your thoughts? Quick thoughts. It was a long time coming. Uh, the hauls as good as they were gonna get. Nothing too exciting. Uh, I don't. I don't. I think it's pretty solid. I hear a lot of people bitching and moaning about it. First of all, they should have done it two years ago. They're a rebuild now. They waited too long. No one's wanting to add salary. That's twenty plus million they would have had to add in salary for a one year rental. Most teams don't need a shortstop, or you can get a cheaper option like Gregarious on the market. Um, you know, they threw Crosco in. Crosco, I love Cookie, but again, people are upset about that. Why? He he's thirty. He's gonna be thirty four next year, and he can barely get through five innings this year. 
as good as they're going to get. Nothing exciting, but I'm excited for the rebuild. There you go. Try to make it as fast as possible. Yeah, the Indians have like twelve dollars on their payroll next. Oh yeah, they're gonna have like the they're gonna be lower in Tampa. I think they're gonna be like thirty five to forty million. Yeah, it's currently. It's gonna be fun. So no expectations. I'm excited. I'm just gonna sit back and relax. No expectations. Uh from one Cleveland team to another Cleveland team. Uh so the Cavs have gotten off to a actually a pretty Good start considering they're the LeBronless Cavs, six and seven so far in this year. But the big story coming out today Mediocrity, baby. Hey, we'll take we'll take anything no. at this point. We'll take <laughs> no. non-laughing stock. Uh but uh the news today, uh the Cavs looking to either trade or outright release Kevin Porter. Kevin Porter was a uh twenty nineteen draftee, last pick of the first round. Um, highly thought after rookie, thought to make a big jump in his second year. But uh, in October, uh, got pulled over in uh, Mahana County near like Youngstown, a uh, single car accident, uh, guns and drugs on him. <laughs> so certainly some question marks there. Classic one. Uh, Tony Montana over here. <laughs> also some, uh, so, some questions about a potential incident with a woman uh, in August. So the Cavs said, hey, you're a young guy, you know, obviously 19, maybe 20 at this point. Get your mind right. Figure out your stuff. We'll, we'll let you back when you're ready. So Friday night, came back for his first game, just not to play, just showed up to support the team. Uh, and then also recently, because this ties into the story, the Cavs were part of the James Harden to Brooklyn trade, uh, giving up a first-round pick. And they got uh, big man Jared Allen and uh, veteran – forward Torian Prince out of the trade. Well, Torian Prince, uh, the team had decided to move Kevin Porter's locker down by more of the end of the bench guys since he wasn't there and probably to kind of send a message there. Uh, gave Torian Prince, a veteran, his locker spot. Uh, Porter found out about it Friday night. Did not like it. Uh, in a very Cavs anger player move, uh, I believe through a burger, thrown food. Similar to uh, the J.R. Smith experience back in, I believe it was 2017. So, uh, what was that tortilla soup? That was, yeah, it was chicken tortilla soup. Chicken tortilla it's, soup. Chick, chicken tortilla it's soup. stupid because anybody been in a basketball locker room, it's like a circle normally. So you're really not at the end. It's just by who you're sitting by. What the fuck does that matter? Yeah, so I'm after. Just try the, uh, the food court there at the queue. Sounds pretty good. It does sound good. Oh, the food at the queue. <laughs> not, not bad, man. Not bad. Some good food at the queue. Uh, but uh, J.B. Bickerstaff, I believe Colby Altman was around there, uh, had some words with him about you know childish and unprofessional. Uh, also, J.B. Bickerstaff was in his office, heard the commotion, came out. So the Cavs <laughs> basically said, look, if you don't know how to be an adult, uh, we're done here. Good for them. Uh, Jesus. It's a sad day just because he was a, he was a guy at a position that, you know, it's kind of thin outside of uh, Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, the Sexland backfield or Sexland backcourt. Uh, you know, certainly a guy that was looking to be an absolute steal in the draft, but just couldn't be an adult and an NBA player. So you wish him the best, but uh, you know, at this point, nothing you can do aside to move forward. At this point, you, you know, he have, gave him no gave him no options. Oh, you can't have yeah. P top in the locker room. I mean, <laughs> people throwing our patties. I don't get that shit. Jesus. So, uh, so interesting times. Uh, Josh, any other headlines we're missing from? Uh, there's this weird thing that's been going on all weekend on Twitter. 
uh, in the hot stove area. And I don't know what Yankees fans, obviously Yankees fans have a lot of power, um, at least social. They think they do. They think yeah, they do. yeah, I was going to say. Uh, sure. And I guess they thought they could will into life this trade uh, for Luis Castillo, which I, they say they need another pitcher there, but like they just got Corey you? Kluber, yeah. baby! Yay, busted arm Corey! And I and love Corey Kluber, they but a bunch of prospects. And do we really need anything right now? No, no, they do need more pitching. I mean, an owner that wants to actually spend right. money. They so do need more pitching. I, Let's yeah. be real. Yeah, but I guess because Kluber, I, I I'll be shocked if he gets it through the year. Oh. Yeah, and amazed. you got, I mean. And I love Kluber, obviously, but uh, yeah, you got, like, we, old heads, Terry like, Frangona ran him in into years. the ground in 2016, riding his ass to the uh, but I guess game seven back, of the series. We so. came back and said, uh, we'll take uh, Glaber Torres, and uh, they said no to that. But Well, there you I, go, then. I don't, I don't know what it's you want to do. It's over. Because, I mean, any starting stop. pitcher is worth more than a position player generally in a stop trade. Stop talking so. about the Luis Castillo trade. It's not happening. God, fucking Stop New trying to make Luis Castillo happen. It's not happening. You're not. You're it's not, like fetch. It's not, happening. it's not happening. You're not a dynasty anymore. No one wants to hear about it. Not a dynasty anymore. You're a bunch of anymore. poor nickel and dime, and you don't want to get over the uh, luxury tax. Uh, sounds also, like sounds like the Cubs and the Red Sox. To kick off quick cheers, uh, I'll cheers to uh, the Duke's Mayo Bowl for that uh, Gatorade cooler not having mayo in it. Oh, and boo. The New Mexico <laughs> Bowl for being played in Texas. Cheers. Cheers to... And the Duke's Mayo Bowl for having their trophy broken by Wisconsin. Mm. Shout out to Graham Murray. Shattered. My turn? Yeah, no. any cheers over I was going to cheers uh, Justin Fields, the uh, greatest quarterback in Ohio State history. Uh, had a bumpy wow. year, but really uh, stepped up. And honestly, one quick thing on that. I did love right after, obviously frustrated losing against Alabama the way he played, but right after that he was going up and down the locker room to all the young guys telling him, hey, remember this night. Don't ever let it happen again. So, Justin, we appreciate your leadership and – uh Hope the Patriots draft you because I think that'd be a perfect spot. That'd be neat. That would I be. Guess. I think you'd well, be baller out there. Well, my shout out also goes to uh, my team. Just a shout out in general to the Browns. Uh, some guy named Blake. Uh, <laughs> guy named Blake. You know the guys in the backfield, the backup defensive backs, uh, whether it be Money Mitch or uh, you know Upton Jr. who had uh, you know pick uh, anybody that stepped in. You know, some of these guys, some of these backup wide receivers, backup linemen, backup everybody. It was a season, you know, uh, more playoff games this season than combined for the rest of my life so far. Uh, just a wonderful season. And and more than Josh's. Hopefully something to, uh, but well, not playoff games. Playoff uh, well, wins. wins. I'm sorry. I was thinking on the last. Marvin Lewis had no issue getting them to the playoffs, <laughs> pal. No issue in no. that. That was the only goal. Don't you talk He'd about the head coach of the New York Jets like that. Oh, oh man. They're not. Oh. I could spend a whole show talking about the New York Jets. Maybe, right. the, maybe the next show will do it. Here's, uh, here's uh, the real question. If Marvin Lewis gets hired by the New York Jets, how long do you think we have until there's a Zach Taylor for Marvin Lewis trade being burned oh, up in the horse? Marvin Lewis. Can he make it another 20 <laughs> years? <laughs> well, we'll see about that. But uh, also, one last cheers to the listeners. Obviously, a little bit of, of a break there. Uh, Christmas, life in some respects, getting things back to the pods. But we'll be back. Our new release day, I uh, believe, is Tuesday. Yeah, so we now we'll be yeah. mostly releasing on Tuesdays. Like we said before we went on break, Schedule might be a little here or there. 
But follow us on social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Yeah, if we're recording on Sunday or Monday, we'll get it out Tuesday morning. So, you know, that way, at least for the most part, a pretty same day, same bat time, same bat place. We'll be coming at you. So thank you so much for listening to 30 Rack of Sports. For Josh on the ones and twos. What? For Zach on the opinions. Very well-rounded. The takes, motherfucker. The takes. Um, I don't really know what he brings to the show. And the talent. Can I make one quick point then? Yes. Don't know what I bring to this show. It's just hilarious every time I got to take a little time off. This whole show comes grounding to a halt. But all right. We were celebrating your (laughs) offspring. Okay. (laughs) Whatever. I, see, I was thinking about this earlier. If we just replaced you with your daughter, she would probably give about as good of sports takes as you do. I already, Doesn't really know how to talk yet, but like not at all. Well formed sports takes. I mean, she probably shit on your floor, which would be great. I mean, that's pretty much what you do when you come here with your sports. I already takes. have a lane that I'm building to set her down in and make picks for us. A lane. So, oh yes. Yeah. So be ready for that. Like a bowl coming up. I grease it up. Don't worry. Probably will make better picks than us. A lot to come. A lot of heat. A lot of takes. And, of course, a lot of beer. Thank you so much for listening to 30 Rack of Sports. Peace. Peace.